thanks for that disclaimer, Robin. So welcome again, everyone. I'm super excited about this show. Um, this is like where childhood dreams come true. And uh, when Robin and I were thinking about putting this together, um, we didn't know how it was gonna come together, but in true fashion in the purple paradigm way, the army has stood up and we are here tonight. So welcome, welcome. I'm gonna just introduce who we have with us tonight. Uh, I'm gonna read their bios. Forgive me if I skip over certain parts, but I wanna make sure that everybody gets covered and heard. So bringing us into the session was DJ Monday Blue. Thank you, DJ Monday Blue for blessing us with the sounds. Monday Blue is a Brooklyn-based Brooklyn DJ, uh, fluent in digital and vinyl and with over six years experience spinning music that moves and motivates diverse crowds. The 2018 Pulitzer Prizes DJ pre-pandemic Monday Blue could be found playing in venues in Brooklyn, House of Yes, Ota uh, Babel, Jupiter Disco, and Manhattan Blind Barber and Paper Daisy, founder and, and resident DJ of Dionysus of Disc, a monthly vinyl party featuring all women DJs held at Brooklyn's premier vinyl bar, Bear Wax. Monday Blue flows easily in the digital realm. However, her heart beats with vinyl. She's a purist, all right. You get to listen to her and play her favorite wax live on the face radio, thefaceradio.com every Wednesday from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And follow your bliss with Monday Blue and twitch.tv backslash DJ Monday Blue. Thank you, DJ Monday Blue. Thank you so much. So uh, this episode is dedicated to the family. AKA F Deluxe, AKA Our Hearts, um, the first band ever pro uh, produced on Paisley Park Records. I'm gonna read through the bios a little bit of the members of the family, and then we're gonna get right into it. So leading us off, we have Susanna Melvoin. Susanna Melvoin grew up in a Los Angeles-based musical family, the daughter of legendary jazz composer, pianist, and longtime NARIS president, Michael Melvoin. Singing from the early age of eight, she got her first taste of professional recordings as a child jingle singer for television and radio. By her late teens, she was working as a session singer in Los Angeles for David Geffen. Some of her earliest sessions at age 17 were alongside R&B star James Ingram and Donna Summer for the legendary Quincy Jones, who subsequently employed Susanna as a staff singer and as a member of his newly created R&B acapella group that included Saida Garrett. She met Prince in 1983 via longtime family friend, Lisa Coleman, keyboardist for the revolution and her twin sister guitarist, Wendy Melvoin. She was soon enlisted full-time as a staff vocalist for all his side projects and as a code lead vocalist for a new group he put together called The Family. Susanna then joined the expanded Prince and Revolution touring as a backup singer. She contributed to numerous successful albums during that time, including Around the World in a Day, Parade, Time of the Times, the Black Album, and the Black Albums and Crystal Ball, The Dream Factory, and numerous B-sides to Prince's uh, single releases. Additionally, her co-write of the quirky Starfish and Coffee. She became, she later became vocalist and band member for Wendy and Lisa for albums such as Fruit of the Bottom and Eroica and Girl Brothers, and, and excuse me, and Eroica and Girl Brothers. In 2011, Susanna and the family reformed as F Deluxe, and in 2013, they had the monumental privilege of performing with twin sister Wendy Melvoin, D'Angelo, Elvis Costello, Maya Rudolph, and more at Carnegie Hall in New York City for a Questlove-produced event for underprivileged New York City area public schools. Most recently, Susanna has toured with Prince's band, The Revolution, off and on throughout 2016-2018 with her own band, F Deluxe, 
slash the family. Susanna's latest endeavor is co-creator and executive producer for children's animated show based on Starfish and Coffee and the Wonderful Life of Cynthia Rose in collaboration with the Jim Henson Company, executive producers Susan Monford and Don Murphy of Angry Film Productions in development right now. Welcome, Susanna. How are you? Looking beautiful, sis. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, Very let me good. tell you something. When you work Very hard like that, you get to you get to hear all of your bio read. Okay, that's you. The doctor's in you. Thank you. I feel better. <laughs> Reminding me who I am. <laughs> that's right. Look, you've done a lot and we appreciate you for it. I'm um, also joining us tonight, everyone. We have St. Paul Peterson. Uh, 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 so Prince discovered St. Paul, AKA, sorry, Prince discovered Paul Peterson, AKA St. Paul at the age of 17. He enlisted him as a keyboard player in the time for the movie Purple Rain. Paul took the lead vocalist spot in the Prince produced group, The Family, be before becoming a solo artist and scoring his hits for MCA and Atlantic Records. St. Paul has recorded, toured, or written with St the Steve Miller Band, Peter Frampton, Daryl Hall, Prince George Benson, Olita Adams, the chorus, Kenny Loggins, and Morris Day in the Time, to name a few. His band, F Deluxe, formerly known as The Family, is celebrating the 30th anniversary of their Prince-produced record with a few select shows around the country. Paul has recently put together St. Paul and the Minneapolis Funk All-Stars, consisting of musicians and producers who help create the Minneapolis sound that we love so much. Welcome, St. Paul. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little disappointed I didn't write a lo longer bio. Should, let me tell you, you gotta, you gotta connect with Susanna and make sure you get every detail in there. That's, I just wanna let you guys know that Robin, Robin gave me this privilege. He goes, you're gonna read the bios. I'm like, thanks. It's a privilege though. It's so good to see you. Thanks, and I, I love the family album strategically placed behind you, Paul. That's, that's- oh, I didn't that's do that. Does that, what's, what? It's like strategic. Is that rich man behind you? Let me tell you that. Uh, oh, it's on the other side. Yeah, it's back there somewhere. It's back there somewhere. That was one of my COVID projects is to paint the basement and finally hang some uh, some artwork. So it's looking great, man. I love it. Thank I you. love it. Good creative space. So also uh, joining us tonight is to blow your horn, Eric Leeds. Eric, I'm so excited that you're here. Uh, Eric Leeds, born in Milwaukee. Eric Leeds spent most of his formative years in Pittsburgh. He first picked up the saxophone at age 11, soaking up a wide spectrum of R&B, Latin music, and jazz with an emphasis on the latter. In the early 80s, he relocated to Atlanta and then during a trip to Minneapolis, he was introduced to Prince. Impressed by Eric's saxophone style, um, Prince offered him a spot in the lineup. The result was The Family and featured the top 10 single, The Screams of Passion. Leeds went on to work in the studio and on stage with Prince, including four worldwide tours and performances on Parade, Sign of the Times, Love Sexy, and Batman. The eventual result of all this music interplay was another prestigious venture, Madhouse. The group's two instrumental albums featured not only Leeds' uh, propulsive jazz playing on tenor and baritone saxes and flute, but his writing and arranging as well. When it became evident that what was to be the third Madhouse album was turning into a vehicle for Eric's own musical imagination, he set about creating what would become a genius, a genuine showcase of his talents. And Eric, you don't mention Times Square in here, but Eric also has, a, has his own album, Times Square. It's one of my favorites. Welcome, That's Eric. That's for my own. Thank you. How are you? I'm well. How you doing? Good. Good. And last but certainly not least, Mr. Jerome Benton is here. 
Jerome is a musician, actor, and playwright who has enjoyed a 40-year career in entertainment working as a vital creator and hype man for legendary moments in music and film. Jerome and his brother Terry Lewis grew up in Minneapolis, Minnesota. His teenage years were spent around music with future cultural icons, including Terry, uh, Terry uh, James, Jimmy Jam, Harris III, Morris Day, and Prince. Jerome was a member of the time and was a feature character in the movie Purple Rain. As the time disbanded, Jerome was recruited by Prince to appear in his next band, The Family. During this time, Jerome was offered a co-lead with Prince in the film Under the Cherry Moon. So please take off your mutes and let's welcome in the family after Lux. It's so great to have you guys here. Yay! Yay! It is an honor and a privilege to read your bios. Um, this 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 episode means a lot. Uh, definitely, when Robin and I came together around creating uh, the Purple Paradigm, uh, you were on the list immediately. And to have this moment is a dream come true. So I'm going to enjoy standing in a vision and what it looks like and sounds like and feels like. Um, so we have a few questions for you. So the platform of the Purple Paradigm is all about bringing the Purple Army to uh, the stage. And so it's not just about what Robin and I are doing. This is really a fan, a, a family driven show, literally in this case today. Um, so we have questions from us, but we also have questions from the audience. So Purple Army, you know how we do. Please start lighting up the chat. Robin did send out a survey asking for questions, um, but here's your opportunity to light up the chat. And given time, we will figure out ways in which to have you talk to the family as well. So we're gonna get started. And Robin, you wanna start us off? Well, I, you know, I do have the mission statement, but we could do that. Yes, later. the mission statement. Yes, please do. That's like, like, let, let, get, let, let the Jerome family is, Jerome into... is having a cow because first, I just wanna thank everybody for showing up, even though it's the Super Bowl. And, you know, I forgot about the fact that Jerome is a big, Big sports guy, obviously, a football player. football in high school. We should have known better. Um, so I think that what we should probably do is get into the questions. And after we get into some questions, we can do the mission statement. The mission statement is basically my love letter to the four of you. So, you know. <laughs> but we'll get into that later. Let's get into the questions. Okay. So first, my first question, actually, for each of you is, um, I know in... Susanna's bio, she talked a little bit about what she's working on, but I want to know from each of you, especially in these times that we are in, COVID times, like what are the things that you are working on and what have you been doing to keep creative during this crazy time? So each one of you, whoever wants to go first. Go ahead, Jerome. Come on, man. <laughs> are you muted, Jerome? How come I can't hear you? Yeah, I can't hear Jerome. Jerome, we can't hear you. Are you muted? It doesn't look like he's muted. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, your mic's not working for some reason. Your mic's not working, Jerome. We can't hear you. No, he's... Yeah. Nope. Nope. Hmm. Paul, why don't you go ahead? You're the busy, <laughs> you're the busy one. <laughs> and I just want to honor the fact that Paul is wearing a Jelly Bean Johnson shirt. I am wearing a Jelly Bean Johnson shirt. Yes, so Jelly Bean couldn't be with us tonight, but he's think... here in spirit. I love the fact that Paul is representing. That's what's up. Come the on, band now. is complete. Very good, very good. They got to represent him. So uh, here's what, hi, everybody. By the way, thank you so much for gathering us together. We don't do this enough. I actually had uh, the Family F Deluxe on my show, Music on the Run, 
It's a podcast that I have. That's what's been keeping me busy. Came out about a year ago. Uh, it's a it's a fun platform for me to interview my friends and my heroes and talk about what how they survive life on the road, how they stay healthy physically, mentally with their relationships and their business. And uh, it's been really fun. I also have a, a series called Funk Friday. It's a one minute jam I put out every single week. I am coming up on the 50th one, believe it or not. Amazing. I know. It's amazing. Uh, on the 19th. And I, just so the Purple family knows, there have been over 85 musicians on uh, Funk Friday. And I gathered a lot of them together. We pre-taped a show a couple of days ago in order to celebrate the 50th uh, anniversary or episode, I should say. But what we're doing is we're raising money for Crew Nation. Crew Nation is a division of Live Nation, and they've set up a platform for people in the road crew to get grants because, of course, there's no tours happening now. So if you would mark your calendars for that and come on over to Music on the Run on Facebook, we're going to uh, broadcast it there. But we're raising money. We're going to have a nice uh, uh, online auction. But that's been keeping me busy, and I'm working on a record. And uh, there you go. That's awesome. Paul, make sure we can get that, put that in the chat so we can memorialize that and promote okay. it for you. Great. That would be awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Paul, Paul absolutely. seems to be our God, the guy that, that keeps himself really creative more than anybody I think I know, really. Okay. Um, it's kind of astounding. It's fun for, I don't know what I'd do if I didn't have something to do, so. Well, it's it's uh, it's crazy. I don't, you just you just make it happen. I don't know how you, but you've always managed to do that. Uh, I, on the other hand, raising you know two kids in quarantine and in a in a state that's just on fire with this thing, and the year has been really tough. Um, you know, I lost my mom to this crazy virus, so there's a there's a whole weight to it. But finding your way and trying to be creative through all of this, I mean, I, I'm sitting here in my, my room, it's my yoga room, and I've, I've been practicing yoga for 30 years, but that seems to be the thing that has saved me. I, you know, I, um, I am working on a children's animated TV show that I am co-creator and executive producing. It keeps me busy because there's a lot of writing, there's a lot of like, you know, just mental creative stuff that you have to do on a daily basis, which is really, I find my, I find that if I can't be in the studio, if I'm not performing, that it's keeping me incredibly creative and it's something I really love. And it's a, it's a, it's a project that I really love, but I do miss uh, performing and singing and um, writing and being in the studio a lot. I mean, it seems to be the thing that is elusive right now for me. I, I wish that we were all, you know, I don't even know when it's all going to happen again. I have no, it's so uncertain, this whole industry right now. I don't know where any of it fits in. So it's kind of remarkable that Paul is as creative as he is. He's about the only person I know. I mean, even with really, I mean, there are some people that are just generating a lot of work just because they have the financial wherewithal and they have the, their own studios and they have, you know, they just seem to keep busy, but the, but the paradigm has shifted, you know, like it's all shifted so dramatically that there's, it's hard for any of us to find our, well, for me, it's, it's, it's hard to, to project into the future what it's going to look like or what, how we're going to do this or how 
any of us feel that we can stay creative because our skill set are we're musicians, we're players, we're singers, we're writers, we're performers, and this is the industry that's that's taken such an extraordinary hit. And I, mean, I hate to bring this all down, but like in terms of what we do for a living and how we offer ourselves, it's not there right now. And it's, it, you know, there is no, there's no support system. There's no, you know, there's no government funds that go like, we're gonna make sure that the arts don't collapse, that are, you know, the, that the, the institution of what we are as, as artists will continue to flourish. None of it's happening. It's just basically, you know, find your way, figure it out. Find a way to do this again. How do you do it? And when, you know, when you're in your 50s, it's like, okay, how do we find ourselves again? Well, we all try and get together and figure something out. Paul has figured something out that's beautiful. And it's a great opening into offering himself. But for some of us, it's like, you know, we're counting the minutes like, well, when is this going to be over? And then how do we end up actually making it happen? So we find other things to do to keep creative. I mean, as a, as a, as a producer and as a writer and a creator of something and, you know, I'm just doing that, you know, I just do that. And here I am. Sorry to bring that down, but you know, no, it's not a, at all. I mean, so one, sort of so like how thing. to stay creative when creativity is the is the sort of the the catchphrase it's like creative how do we stay creative when we're locked in to a situation where there's no there's no there's no financial there's no financial net there's no it's just basically drop you off figure it out and it's like well wait a minute we've been doing it this way for so many years and now it's done gone Forget sounds it. like what i've been doing for 40 years <laughs> you think is that's how it's been for you in quarantine trying to figure well, it out? Well, I, well, I, I have a new project. It's a solo project. And we perform every day, every day for two hours, at least every day. Right. And the, the audience is very select. It's an invited audience only. Huh. One person. <laughs> is it you? That's me. Yeah. Because in this room, I play my horn for two or three hours every day. I don't have to hear shit from the audience. I don't have to take requests. I don't have to all that bullshit. I love it. I understand everything I'm doing. Yeah. It's it's perfect. The only problem is there's a lot of argument in the band. <laughs> Other than that, everything's cool. So, you know. Awesome. My my life has changed. My life has changed very different because as Paul has pointed out, I don't like people. So this gives me a great excuse for staying home and I don't have to deal with any of you all. So go to hell, all of you. I'm fine, right? I love you, Ladies Eric. and gentlemen, Eric, Eric, your age is showing. I love it. I love it. We, we knew, we, 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 we are, but Eric, that's why we want you on the show. This is exactly why we want you on the show. I've seen you in interviews. You're awesome, man, and very funny. All right, bye, good I night. I want to go back to Susanna for a minute. So Susanna, one, I just want to, and somebody wrote it in the chat, my deepest condolences on the loss of your mom. I want to acknowledge that because I, I, I know that loss and that's a painful one. And two, the second thing I want to offer to you as you were talking, and I'm so glad you're here tonight. Um, you know, as Robin and I have done this show and we've had people on, one, one thing that's come up often is the, the knowledge that, yeah, we know we were, we were impactful, but how impactful, you don't always know. And 
I get, I get it. Cause we're all every, you know, I love the quote, um, be kind to everyone you meet because everybody you meet is fighting a battle of some sort. And what I want to offer to you is like, if you guys created something, people would run. This has been, we've been doing, this is our sixth episode and we've averaged, I would say anywhere from maybe 70 to 85 people registering. This has been our largest registration since we started the show. And it's not lost on me, it's because of who the guests are. So it's hard at times within this space to create, but as a creative, it's always available. And some of the best feedback I got last year, and this is why I'm doing this show even, was that you're holding your audience up by not showing up. And, you know, I love, I love the, the fact that Paul is doing the podcast and I, I hold space for you to show up because the audience will come. I'm clear on that. Um, and I'm so glad you're here tonight and shared that story because all too often we don't think about the struggle of the artists in this season, but the truth, I'm, so I'm an educator in New York. I'm a superintendent of schools in New York here and I do push on the arts to make sure that they are vibrant in schools. Um, but I'm very clear that in this last year, the arts have been a savior for many people. So whether you were Netflixing and chilling or listen to music or watching verses or whatever your story was, it was through the arts that many people, including myself, was able to survive. So, you know, as a sister to sister, I just wanna just say that to you as you were talking because there is a space waiting and the audience paint clearly, clearly wants to hear. That's a, thank you for that reminder because it's, it is very, very true that, and even in my own case, that in this very isolated period of time, the things that we're going to, you know, the feel good stuff is like, you know, we'll sit down and watch and binge watch something on Netflix with our kids to, you know, like teaching Mike. I mean, I've got a young daughter who loves film and we've been watching every great film pretty much ever made since silent films. I mean, Turner Classic Movies and watching those with my kids and then and then turning them on to like the Godfather series and like, you know, Citizen Kane and like, those are kinds of things I, I do. They- Don't forget all- Plan 9 from Outer Space. <laughs> well, well, that- Outer Space is everything. But I'm just saying, you know, and, and I'm then, you know, the kids listening to great music together, though that's not lost on me. That's absolutely, I think that, I think that I've compartmentalized an experience as a, as a creator myself, like how to maximize when, you know, like when you don't have the, the revenue or you don't have, you're not plugged into the thing to the source that sustained you so that you can continue to be creative, um, becomes a a fight, you know, it becomes really difficult. We don't, you know, some people think, you know, oh, you must have so much, you know, in your bank account, or you're all so wealthy, and you have everything, and you can just do it, and like, it's all good. That's not the case. You know, it's a fleeting reality, like, that just comes and goes, and we're all hustling, just like the next guy, but we're also trying to find our creative spark through it and if i were 21 and here's another thing like if i were 21 i'd be like screw it all i don't care i mean i'm just gonna just like plow away it's just the way it is but like 
mom, two kids, 50s, also a musician, you know, it, there's a whole list of things that shadow the, the, the movement forward. And then, and, then the, and then the virus comes and it says, you're not only not gonna do it, but you're stuck at home and you gotta figure something else out. So with that said, I honor everything I do. I mean, I love the fact that we as this band can come out here and there are people that are, are, are there with open arms and open ears, like bring it on, we're ready. So are we, you know, we are too. It does and Open take... pockets, open wallets. Well, well <laughs> I'm telling you. That's it's a there. beautiful, it's beautiful. And, and you know, Paul, I'm, I mean, we've, we've talked about it many times, like when are we gonna get back in? And it's just like, we've got to figure, it's, it's a whole other way of doing it. So it's like figuring out how to do it, how to make it happen, and then getting on the road and going and performing. That's a whole other thing. You know, it's like, it's just, you know, maybe I'm just poo-pooing it and saying it's all really hard, it's hard, it's hard. It, it is hard because the pragmatic side of it is getting it all up and off and running and having a life of its own is a whole other thing, you know, and I, and I'm up for it, but it's just been, you know, keeping the gates of creativity open through it all has been um, a challenge for sure. But I, doctor, I have absolutely, my heart is a reminder. <laughs> That, that you're all out there and that, I mean, I, I see it sometimes on my social media feeds. I love the people that um, support us and support me. So I, I get it and I'm appreciative and honored to be a part of any historical time that means something to somebody, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm like listening to you and I'm really inspired listening to you and any, all my friends who are on here, like more, like people are texting me like, and I know your wheels are turning, Maury, and they are. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, 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 it's not only historical, there's a future. And I look forward to uh, talking to you more about that. Well, I'm, 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 I'm open to all the, you know, talking about all of it. And I, you know, I love these guys, these, these men here are, you know, incredibly important to me and important to my history. And I don't deny that at all. I mean, we have, we created something with somebody who's not here, who, um, who brought something to these, this group of people to, um, to, you know, I don't think that's really what I meant to say, but I, I think what I'm trying to say is like, we know what we had, what we brought to it. We know why Prince brought us together. We know what we did to make this thing happen and we've never denied it in any way. We felt really strongly that we all had a really powerful place in this. And, you know, that's why we did another record. That's why we did the Gaslight record. And we all felt very, um, um, I mean, I, th I don't know about convinced of it, but we felt like we had a, a, a solid place um, as musicians and as creators and writers and someone that playing off of our history, we know it meant something and we're honored by it. We wouldn't have done it otherwise. Can I just ask, um, my husband's also a musician um, and he actually works for a venue. Um, so he hasn't been able to go to work and it's quite you some froze, time. Robin. I froze. Uh, can you hear me now? Yeah, you did. You did. We can okay. see you. You're moving now. All right. 
My internet connection is unstable. That's good. There's a big snowstorm in New York, so I don't know. Hopefully, we'll be able to finish. Go for it. get to go watch the Super Bowl sooner than we think, Jerome. <laughs> um, it's, 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 it's not snowing in LA. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I, think, I think Jerome wanted to say something, Robin. So before you tell, you tell your Sammy story. About well, I was just going to say that like one of the things that he's been able to sort of make some money from is teaching or online. And like, what about virtual concerts? Like, is that something that is like... You do that. It's, you know, and they, and they isolate everybody in rooms and they, they do this kind of like Zoom. Like Paul does it with his, with his um, Funk Fridays. I mean, he gets a group of musicians and they set their cameras up and they, you know, and it's sort of gridded off and they play. That's great. I mean, it's, it, that's a, that's an alternative for sure. Yeah. It's, an alternative. it's a great, it's a great alternative, but you got to remember what, what we came through. We came from a situation of the best of life and presence. Yeah, I know. Of course. <laughs> and it's, and, and Zoom TV, it's, <laughs> it's good for what we're doing now. It's not good for concerts. I know not it's not it's just an alternative but it doesn't you know there's nothing like going like i can't I, I am so excited about when this is all over and we're all at our first concert you know i i for me it's like i can't wait to go to an underworld concert and just dance all night long and like mm -hmm. under the stars at you know at the at the hollywood bowl and just one big party and everybody's freaking out i cannot wait like roaring 20s right back and freaking out with your, you know, with your neighbor who you, you know, you have the music in common and you're just freaking out and having the best time dancing. I can't wait for that. There is not, Zoom could never bring that, right? Roma, you no. can't have this visceral experience of a going to a live concert. Yeah, just seeing people and being there people and no, feeding into that energy. Well, it's, it's, it's impersonal. Yeah. You, 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 you know, when we were when we were when we were brought up through the the organization, <laughs> Prince made everything personal to his fans, and we garnered that same thing. And you can't replace it with television. You can't. You can't. So what do we do? We well, wait, and we get ready. <laughs> oh, I'm ready. I want to be you know, out of this house so fast. Like Susanna said earlier, Paul's doing a great thing. He's taking advantage of cre his creativity that he's learned from loving what he does. Yeah. Um, well, let me explain a little bit. You're right, Jerome. The thing about Funk Friday is that I, it was, quite honestly, a, a way to get people from my music side over to the podcast side. It has become a whole different thing. And personally, for me, it's become such an important part of my survival throughout the co this COVID period. I have one of the incredibly beautiful side effects of this particular series is that I get to play with my friends, my family. I, I'm expanding the people I'm playing with because they're home and they're saying, yes, yes, I want to play. I want to play. I'm like, they want right, to cool. And there, and I have, I have gained some incredibly beautiful friends through this little series that I didn't think much of. And it's not the same. Jerome, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it doesn't replace what we do. It's in addition to what we do. And it keeps, your, it keeps me sharp and it keeps me creating. 
And to me, that's important. It keeps me busy because me keeps you relevant. is a very bad thing. What, Rome? Keeps you relevant. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, and, and Zenzi, I saw you made a comment in the chat. You want to come on? <clears throat> yeah, um, I really, you know, I've been a fan since the beginning. Um, what I appreciate is, you know, this platform would not exist without COVID, you know, for what it's worth. It's That's wonderful. True. Um, I would not have been able to, you know, meet you, quote, you guys, quote unquote, face to face and hear stories that, you know, whatever magazine, you know, didn't report. And I also know, you know, I've seen people create, I've seen, you know, one of my favorite artists, Eric Roberson, he created an entire concert, you know, his band obviously can't be there physically with him, but, you know, they made it work. Like he had these little, um windows like little virtual windows i love the creativity and i love how there are people saying you know what uh we can't have an audience we can't go out but this is what we can do we can do this instead as opposed to just kind of like well you know you know no it's true giving up is not is is not a really relative uh <laughs> option for when it's the only skill set you have, yeah. you know, your only skill set is what is as being a musician. It's not like, well, you know, actually, I can run a Fortune 500 right now. I, that's actually not a problem. It's not. That's that's not what I could do. Yeah. I what I do is is all musical and and I as a musician and a writer and a singer. That's what I do. So to say, no, it's never going to happen again. That would just be defeating. I mean, I might as well just give up. Yeah. But, I, but I have yet to figure out really what's going to be the thing that's going to change this all so that mm. that it's that the that the that the the conduit it's open. It's like now it all makes sense. This is where it belongs. And this is where it's the, it's going to be the most creative. And we're all going to be OK. Just and I thank you guys for being open enough to kind of expand and kind of have these forms. You know, I really appreciate that. You know, I am witnessing something amazing. I would have never guessed I could do this, you know, five years ago. That's true. Yeah, Zoom, like Zoom, we're going to talk to a bunch of people on camera and it's going to all work out like this and we're going to like, we can actually engage. Like that's fantastic. It's actually a beautiful thing. But again, it's like, you know, for people like us, I, I, I take Paul out of it, although because Paul has finally sound like a crack in the in the in the pavement like where light can come through he's found there's like it's 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 working this isolation is working for him i can't say you know i don't know about rome and i don't know about eric i mean eric like it's plays working for me just fine i'm flowing with it Whatever it does, it does, you know. And to 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 uh, Jerome, to Jerome up, what are you working on these days? What are, that's what are you what up to ready to get to? I'm still sitting around writing, and um, I have a uh, a webisode that I'm getting ready to start shooting. I just recently found a cinematographer uh, that I'm gonna work with a videographer, and got a real cool. Uh, concept that I'm gonna put together is based in Minneapolis and 
and Los Angeles is, is it deals with um, some elements of uh, likeness of uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm and House of Lies, uh, a real cool vibe. Um, I got an element for uh, some of the, the live music stuff in Minneapolis. Uh, you know, we all have kids that are involved in this, this music game, got a little platform inside that uh, project that gives a nice little presentation for them. Uh, I have a, uh, uh, a comedy short skit show that I'm doing. Uh, I have a lot of stuff going on. Uh, as everyone knows, and, and people who have followed me over the last, you know, 15, 20 years since I stepped away from being on the road constantly that um, uh, I, I like writing a lot. I have an amazing uh, writing partner. His name is Zalunga Adele. He worked with Norman Lear for years, uh, editing a lot of his shows. Uh, uh, my, my playwriting uh, formed with him overseeing me doing it. Uh, uh, Prince put me in a, a, a great position to understand what my creativity and the aspects of me pursuing it and becoming successful to be. And um, I'm just, I'm carrying that with me and, and working hard at it. Um, uh, I've, I've, I'm older now. Um, so a lot of nonsense that, that production people wanna uh, entertain me with I'm not entertained by it. <laughs> so I, 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 cut, um, I cut ties with people that aren't serious as I am or as serious. So I keep it moving. So Jerome- And I wanna shout bit. out to my girls, Jill and Tanya. Hey, Jill and Tanya. Tanya, thank you, Tanya. I don't, I, I don't know Jill. Hi, Jill, how are you? Hi, Jill. I don't wait, I don't see her, wait. But I saw Tanya earlier. Still saying. Yeah, th thank you to both of you for, because Jerome, we were able to get Jerome through the two of you. Yeah, so um, thank you so much, ladies. Let we me really just say appreciate this. it. Ladies. Well, I'm going to tell y'all it's Super Bowl time and y'all effing with my time. Exactly. We appreciate you, Jerome. We love you, Jerome. Robin, I didn't cuss. I didn't cuss. Robin, <laughs> thank you, Jerome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, doctor. Uh, Thank, yeah. thank you, Jerome. Thank you, thank you. Y'all might have some cheering running around lower, you know, lower level of the camera. So I, I, I <laughs> my, my, my daughter do, is in the room. Mine yes. is in bed, I think. See, <laughs> I do it. You look like you have babies. I do. I have two awesome kids. <laughs> you know, you got great kids when they. Yeah, <laughs> What's up, Eric? What's up, Susanna? What's up, <laughs> My mic is working now. Yeah, yes, it is. <laughs> I, I paid the light bill. <laughs> Jerome, are you are you leaving us now? Now, because I do have a question for you. Okay, what's the question? Thank you, thank you, Jerome. Mm -hmm. Appreciate you, brother. You. Um, so take us back for a moment. So you do Purple Rain. You're in Purple Rain. You are on the. You, I'm sure you're a part of the Purple Rain tour. So I'm going back now because. Where's Rachel when I need her? Cause she was there. I, I did not make, they, I, did, I was really small when this happened, but I do remember this time period. And you transition from the family, you get into Under the Cherry Moon. Can you just talk to us a little bit about like, when, like what was the conversation with Prince like when 
he was like, I'm starting this band and I want you in it. And then you make this transition to be, you know, tricky in Under Cherry Moon, which is actually my favorite Prince film. That is my favorite one. I love watching that movie. So you just talk about that time, that journey, like that 1984, 85, 86. Well, we had just video. Finished. We had just finished uh, Purple Rain. Morris made his uh, dramatic exit after the last song that we recorded. And the band was broke up. So Prince decided he wanted to, to bring me in to his lair and uh, went on tour with him and did special appearances out there, you know, running out and doing a bird with him and uh, a couple of different other little choreographed moments with him. And then he said, uh, I'm putting a band together and we're gonna use Paul. And Susanna's gonna be in the lead as well. And you're in it too. It's gonna be partly your band. And Jellybean, if he comes back, he's gonna be in it. So things just, things moved so fast back then. Prince had ideals, ideas that um, you couldn't keep up with him. You could not keep up with him. But they all turned out to be gold. So. And did you like, did you have to audition for Under the Cherry Moon? Or was it like a given that like you're gonna be my 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 partner? Yeah. I, when I watch Under the Cherry Moon, I have to just say this: like yeah. I know Prince was a big Billy Wilder fan. I see some like it hot so clearly when I watch Under the Cherry Moon. No, it's funny, gotta, the black and I, white. Hey, Susanna. No, I have to say, no, I know, I I know firsthand what that was all. The Philadelphia story is what influenced him. Oh, the Philadelphia story. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I was casted. I was I, I was chosen to be tricky. <laughs> I was chosen to be tricky. Um, we we were on the road and we were having fun. And some of the stuff that 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 ended up in Under the Cherry Moon were some of the antics and some of the scenarios that happened while we were on the road enjoying enjoying life. You know, we we had an amazing situation there. You know, Prince was at the top of his game. Uh, limos, cars, wine, first class flights, all of that stuff. And, and Prince had an idea and he put it together. And with me being around him, he just picked up on things that, that I would do and he incorporated them into the script. Mm -hmm. So what's your favorite well, memory from that time? As well as some of the antics that when we, we would go out and and, and have dinner, uh, he would turn some of those scenarios in because I, I, I love life and um, I'm not gonna be too serious all the time. I'm, I'm going to enjoy the moment. Yeah. You know, like the record store scene. The record store, the record store scene was real. Yeah, that was real. <laughs> well, wait a minute. You know that's how he, he came up to me when I got the gig in the time, right? He that's, used the record store line on you? That is the first thing he said to me. He came up to me and I was scared, of course. He, he and he wrote down wreck a uh, stow. And he did the whole routine to me for real. Yeah. <laughs> and we we were we were having dinner and we were being introduced to Christian Scott Thomas at a, a high-end restaurant in France. 
and she's sitting there and she was come across really pompous and I was irritated by that because I was like, I gotta sit here with her when I could be out chasing some fine French women, some beautiful Bon Appetit women. So I started just going back and forth with her and she started bantering with me and we went into the record store scene right there at the table and he loved it and he loved it. Next thing I know, it was in the script. That's after flying to France uh, uh, on a supersonic jet, Not first class. Zanna, you seem to be having memories about this yourself. Do you wanna share? Well, I was, with, I was with Jerome at that time. I was, Jerome and I spent a lot of time together. We were, we were very, very, very uh, close. And I watched the whole thing unfold Jerome's relationship with Prince was very, 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 very tight. And Jerome had a way of getting um, a, a real, 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 I mean, <clears throat> Jerome had a way of getting Prince relaxed and present in the moment and, and just enjoying life in the moment. There weren't many people, if at all, who could do that. And Jerome really helped, I think, Prince feel safe to explore all of this these sides of himself because he knew he could always go back to being connected to Jerome and I was there you know I mean I was having my own personal relationship with Prince and also my working relationship but at the time I was supposed to be the lead in Cherry Moon and that all changed dramatically for many reasons but the the scene that Jerome's talking about having dinner with Christian Scott, Christian Scott Thomas and he and Prince together. I was back at the hotel when I heard all of this stuff happen. So, but you know, Jerome has a has a very unique relationship with um, with Prince. I say that in the as if it's happening now, but it's true. Um, but did even but but was really profound. And I mean, I used to even go to, to, to Jerome and say, what do you think he thinks? And he would, you know. I remember that. I remember that, <laughs> yeah. Many times it would be like, you know, he would be the one to interpret certain certain things that would elude me. And he would say, no, you don't. Prince Whisperer? Huh? He was the uh, Prince Whisperer? I didn't I didn't feel like a, a whisperer. I just, um, just made him I feel just in touch. I was just in touch with him. Oh, I mean, it definitely shows up in Under the Cherry Moon. I think that the chemistry on on camera between the two of you is is electric and funny and entertaining, but intense, like a, a real brotherhood came through. Well, and I think so. a lot of that has to do with Jerome because Jerome helped Prince be present as an actor. Jerome had a, has a, has a, a natural ability. And I don't know if Prince would have had that natural ability to gauge his own performance off of if he didn't have Jerome to look to. Jerome helped him do that. I mean, that's I'm, awesome insight. Like a, an Academy Award performance from him, but it's like. <laughs> but, I got the straw. I got the strawberry. That's all right. I got an award. There's people yeah. who he did nothing. <laughs> that's true. For real, like I, you know, he had he, he, you, you really helped him figure out how to do it and be, and you really 
you know, you kind of, you know, without saying you held his hand, but you were in a very big way, very, you know, you worked with that side of him to just let loose, to play. He, he, helped, he, he helped me with a different confidence level yeah. in, in this artistic world that we're in. Um, I came I came to him as an athlete and you know athletes are hard-headed knuckleheads and I was definitely that and over the years um, the years of being with him and the years of not being with him I never had a grudge towards him for anything that he's done has, has done and um, uh, I appreciate him turning that light on in, in my spirit and and each day I, I enjoy the, the opportunity to be able to create, you know, the scripts, the, uh, the imagery and um, be able to be in this journey for the last 40 years of a favor. And um, ta-da, I'm happy to be here, you know, with, with, with these guys, you know. Um, I, I was in three different groups of princes, <laughs> three different groups. Eric has me outnumbered. <laughs> so i love it thank you so um, much jerome. jerome appreciate you have, being here i do have one question for jerome actually i was just thinking oh, so the projects that you're working on you're just primarily writing you're not going to be doing any acting in them because i i i asked you this once at one of the purple paisley brunches i asked you you know you're such a great comedic actor like are you ever going to do more of that because we would love to see that so in the projects that you're working on, are you actually going to be in them acting or just writing? I, I do have one project. It's a stage play that I will be starring in or cameoing in. I'll be starring in it. And it's, it's a really, really cool, cool piece. Um, uh, it's a, uh, a six-letter a six word a five letter word and I'm not telling you anything else, <laughs> but, but I will shine. I'm, like, I'm sure you will. We know you will. Um, it's an amazing, amazing script. Again, um, uh, my partner, he's honed me in on some really cool writing technique and uh, he was part of Sanford and Son. Uh, Red Fox Show, 227, My Brother and Me, Good Times, The Jeffersons, uh, 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 all kinds of stuff, all, uh, Cooley High, all that stuff. He wrote with Eric Monty. Um, and um, I think I, I, I garnered a, a great friendship and mentorship from, from this gentleman. His name is Alunga Edel. And, um, and I had recently met another gentleman who, like as Susanna's um, involved with um, an animation, and his name is Greg Manningwearing, and um, an amazing dude to sit on the phone with him, and we just bounce back and forth on, on ideas, and uh, the animation world is tough. <laughs> the animation world is tough, and, and my hat's off to you, Susanna. Um, you, you make it in that, you made it. <laughs> you made yeah. it. It's amazing. It's, yeah, it's not, you know, it's not, nothing's come to fruition yet. It's all work in progress. Right. And I, I'm, you know, I, I, I stay elusive with, with the things that I'm doing simply because there's so many um, bad farmers out there. They want to 
they want to kill your crop. So <laughs> I, I just keep it to myself. And um, my team with Jill and Tanya, they, they help me stay, uh, stay focused and, and stay uh, safe with, with who I am, what I've done and, and where I'm going. And I appreciate these ladies uh, dearly. So, um, Maury, do we want to take, I know Jerome, you still have to leave. I know the football game is still going. Um, do we want to have a game messing with y'all? <laughs> but aren't we pleasant company? I mean, we're trying. In my days of singularity, yes, y'all would have been fun to be hanging around with. You did hang out with <laughs> us one time, Jerome. We're going to bring up old stuff, but you did hang out with us one time, Jerome. We'll, we'll, and actually, Paul was there, too. That's pretty In cool. my days of singularities. Yeah, backsliding days, Jerome. We, we were around. We were around. <laughs> we're, not, we're not that young. I am. I'm 25. Mm. <laughs> then I'm myself. Right, I'm so. <laughs> Robin, do we have a question from the audience for Jerome before he gets out of here? Um. Yeah, I would just. Uh, let's see, not in my notes, but if anybody wants to come on and ask a question really fast, raise your hand. I'm going to look and see. Got to go watch my cousin play. Okay, we're going to let you go. Come on, get some <laughs> hands up. I don't see no hands. D'Angela's in the audience. The hey, D'Angela. Hey, D'Angela. D'Angela, you want to come on and talk to oh, Jerome? D'Angela? Yes. Hey, so, D'Angela. Hey, I don't know if you can see me. I'm in the dark. Hi, Jerome. So I wanted to know if that five-letter word was yount. Nah. <laughs> nah. I'm going to use that in the play. <laughs> can you tell me what that means, yount? I always wondered, did it signify something? It, it means you're out your head. Why are you saying something like that to me? How dare Lame you? Lame brain. Lame brain. Get up. Come on. Got it. So you say that to your grandkids and they're going to look at you crazy. <laughs> I'm going to be a grandfather in April. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah. Paul, Paul, Rome, Medome. Congratulations. All right. Man, that's great. So, so okay. So I got to get a little more grouchier, though. By the way, Julie Rose says hello to you before you bump out. Jerome. Paul, it's good to see you. Susanna, great to see you. Eric, F you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> good to see you, my man. Tell Alan to say hello, too. Thank you, Jerome. And, and Robin, Dr. Eve, GDP. Greg Morrison with your quiet ass. I don't know who you are, but I'll say, see you when I see you. Hi, Jerome. You'll thank you. <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Bye-bye. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Have a good bye -bye. night. See you, Jerome. Um, yeah, I just okay, want to let so you guys know I, we're out in about 15. Yes, thank you, Paul. So we got yes, your message. You know. Thank you. Robin, Robin, I have yes, a question. Um, Dr. Mori, yes. I do have a question. Um, Go ahead, Tanya. For those, uh, Susanna, Paul, Eric, um, for those who don't know, I'm Tanya Giddens. I am the creator of the Purple Paisley Brunch, as Robin mentioned before. So hello, everybody. Hey, hello, how everybody are you? Hello, everybody tuning in. 
I have a question for Eric. Mm -hmm. Now, I am nosy, and I'm seeing that you have stacks of vinyl behind you. My mm -hmm. question to you is this. How much of that vinyl has influenced your playing of music? All of it. I mean, it's, most, it's mostly jazz and Afro-Cuban music with funk. Oh, now let me find out Afro-Cuban. Okay. That, that's, that's my favorite music in the world. Really? The, the, la the, last, the last plane that I happened to have done before COVID shot down, shut down everything was last March when Eddie, Eddie Palmieri was in town and I was playing with him. Eddie Palmieri is my favorite living musician in the world. Wow. Yeah. I mean, just my, my biggest musical hero in the world and is probably on a level with me that Miles Davis and Coltrane and James Brown and Ray Charles are. But to me, Afro-Cuban salsa, you know, they, they, Eddie and the, and the cats who play that music don't really like the name salsa. As Eddie Palmieri always says, my music is not a condiment. Work. You know. Okay. It's Afro-Cuban Afro music. To me, it is the perfect music. It was funk before there was funk. It's the original funk music. Nice. Would Everything you, else are, came after that. Are you, are you planning to do an Afro-Cuban album? I'm old, I say album, I'm sorry. Um, no, not in itself because um, in order for me to do that, I'd have to be in New York. And I'm oh, not in New York. Stay with me. I live. In, I'm based well, in New York. All right. All right. I'll take you up on. But, <laughs> but, but that music informs a lot of what I have done mm -hmm. on my own records. So that's hot. So it's always it's always going to be a part of what you know what I do. Yeah. Hey, I want to I want to share something with you. I got to spend six months with this guy over here making the LP music record, and I felt like a kid in a candy store. Literally having Eric Leeds play saxophone right behind me for six months. It was one of the greatest times in my life. You are one of the most talented, naturally gifted knuckleheads I've ever met in my life. And I miss you. Well, uh, to, 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 really. to that extent, I really I really have to uh, say this when I knew Paul. Um, and Susanna, back when we were in the family, mm -hmm. all they were were the singers in the group I was in. You know, I, I was, I'm, hate to say this, I'm substantially older than they are. Um, and my role in that band was just to play the saxophone. And at that point, um, I just knew Paul as a 19-year-old kid who would the lead singer. And then after that project went sideways, um, Paul and I didn't. Paul and I didn't have any reason to have any um, interaction with each other for many, many years. And when many years later, when we thought about putting the thing back together and doing the album that became Gaslight, only then did I really realize the musician that Paul is, and Susanna. And when Paul and I put this project together that we call LP Music, it's, it's a play on words. It's Leeds Peterson, but it also means LP is in long plane. You see all that vinyl? That's, mm -hmm. you know, that's what LP means. Nice. Um, working with Paul, I realized that he has a vocabulary in the music that can work with where I come from to a degree that I have never experience with any other musician I have ever worked with. 
and 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 I mean that. I mean, Prince and I made music together, but I've never made music the way I want to make music and the way it works with anybody in 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 you know in a daily situation making an album with Paul. Paul has a vocabulary in this music that's incredible. The crazy thing about it is Paul didn't know shit about this music. <laughs> no, I'm He's serious. Right. He didn't know. He's he didn't right. know. His, you know. Really, he doesn't because all of the references that I have because of this library of mine and, and being in, immersed in this music, you know, since basically when I was growing up in the late 50s and, and discovering Ray Charles, um, Paul can pick up a guitar and all of a sudden he's playing things and I'm just saying, man, where'd you, where'd you, that sounds like some John Abercrombie shit. And he's looking at me, who? <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> and and the and and what I love about that is that there are no filters, so it just comes out of him, and, and I can make good music by myself, but I can get you know after after a while I know what I'm going to do, and you know what I want is is the opportunity to be with people that are going to you know I Paul can do something, and I'll hear that, and I said, well I could have done that. Only I didn't, <laughs> you know. Oh, so what man. it so what it means then is how do I react to that? And there there was there was just a, a certain vibe and a harmonic vocabulary that is able to bring things out of me that normally I really wouldn't do that unless I'm doing working working with him. Um, and and basically, you know, I. I had the opportunity to, to work in, in, in the studio with Prince off an awful lot. Um, but as far as the music that I play and, and, and my aspirations as a, as, a, as a musician and my ability to realize that what I wanted to, Paul's the cat. Wow. I mean, I gotta tell you, you know. Um, Do you know um, that, Paul? Uh, I've never heard him say that. I mean, you're you're you look shocked. I am a little bit in shock. I, I, I will say that Eric and I, um, he's like my older brother, you know, I mean, and he is to Susanna as well, but we've been able, I mean, he comes over for holidays and because he's here and I genuinely love that guy. Uh, he's just become one of my dearest buddies. And All you want me for the holidays is for my cookies. The cookies. That's right. Give me them cookies. And, and he, I'll tell you what, during COVID, he doesn't go out of the house. You know what he did? Thanksgiving. Christmas, he delivered the cookies. That's I right. cookies. That's, you brought me the cookies. But sitting in that studio with you doing LP music was, I, I'm telling you, it was, I was like a little kid going, that's Eric Leeds behind me for six months, just playing great. And we had a, we had a ball. It was, um, it was a, no, it, was, it really was. It was every day coming into the studio. It was like, I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fast starter on any given day, getting up and out of bed and doing, you know, takes me a few hours before I decide that I actually want to get up and do anything today. But going into the studio with Paul every day, I, I look forward to that. I, I really did um, because, because it gave me the opportunity to see what I was going to do. And, and that's, you know, and when you, you know, and for musicians, if you can find somebody in your life like that, um, it's worth its weight in gold. I mean, I've, I've had that relationship with other people in the past 
you know, um, my, my closest, dearest friend for many years was a drummer that I grew up with in Pittsburgh and we had bands together and he passed away several years ago. Um, but the other thing about Paul is that he's got the technical abilities also as far as the recording abilities and everything because, because he's, he's like the chief, you know, he's the chief cook and bottle washer. Not only because his, his talents and abilities for dealing with Pro Tools and all that stuff, it enables us to instantaneously get out what it is that we're trying to do. And, you know, that- That, that is a luxury, I'll tell you that. Yeah, it really We can't is. hear you, Suze, you're muted. So one of my favorite facts about Eric, Eric, you were not a Prince fan coming into all of this. Maurice, um, uh, wait, Maurice, Susanna was going to say something. Oh, Susanna was going to say something. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, go ahead, Susanna. Well, it's not, it's not, it's not, only, it's, it's only important that it just says that Paul is a, uh, is a, the key engineer of all of the projects that we do. He's yeah. a genius in the studio. So. Just because I know how to do it. That's, I mean, it's. You know me, I can't sit still. I think I'm highly caffeinated. Because of that of necessity. There's that of necessity. Well, well it's, it's, it's kind of like the equivalent. You know, we always used to hire the guy that had the PA system in the band. Right. You know, it didn't matter if he couldn't play. He had the PA system. We need him. So we got Paul there. He's got, he knows how to push the buttons. We need him. Yes. Yeah. And all the years I've been in the studios, I mean, sitting in the studio in my father's lap as a little girl, as a four-year-old, five-year-old, I still, like, yeah, you can leave me in the studio if you t if you remind me how to edit a Pro Tools vocal. But you know what? For really, you like did it. You I taught you how to do it, and you did. I was like, damn it, Susanna, you're editing your own vocal, and you did a great job. I did, but but still, ask me if I remember. No, I don't. It, it's in it your. Come right back to you, Doctor so. Mori. Doctor Mori, I'm sorry. I do have one more question because I have to leave myself. Quick question to uh, Susanna, Paul, and Eric. The can you just give us just a Reader's Digest version? Because I'm I'm curious as to the night you guys played First Avenue, that one off. What was that like? Susanna, ladies first. We've been rehearsing for months and months and months and months and months. So we were really ready for it. Um, that was it was a it was a great moment. Um, I, I just have one story that <laughs> Prince get, but right before I was gonna go, I think I was backstage. He comes backstage with a stuffed animal. And this is just before we're gonna get on stage. And he says, I want to talk to you for a second. I said, sure, whatever. He's like, okay, I've got something for you. And I want you to take it up on stage with you. And I want you to go crazy on it. And I was like, and I'm looking at him. He's got this stuffed animal in his hand. And I was like, with the stuffed animal? And he was like, I want you to take the stuffed animal and I want you to wrestle it on the floor. I want you to just go nuts and go crazy on this thing. I was like, you're asking me to go what, to do what? I was like, this is the first gig we're doing and you're gonna ask me to go wrestle a stuffed animal on the stage? Is that really what you're asking me to do? And he was like, yeah. He said, like, you just gotta let go. Just let it all loose, just go crazy. He goes, scream, ride, go just, you know, get, just get on top of this thing. And that's what he left me with. That was my pep talk for my first show Ooh. on that, to do that. And so I did not- Suze, Suze, what, what you never knew was that he came to me and said the same thing. <laughs> no. Did he bring Actually, you a stuffed toy? 
we gave Prince, we gave Prince a hundred dollars a piece and said, please, will you just tell Susanna to go crazy on this stuffed animal? <laughs> you know what? You fuckers, let's, I bet you would have, but it was, uh, it was to trip me up a bit, which it did not. Yeah. No. He wanted to see what I was made of. That was one of the, one of his, one of his ways of seeing how, how I, if I could get the deeper meaning behind what he was asking me to do which was let go. Mm. Mm. And I and I took that and unleashed it even further. And I've always taken that every, every time I'm on stage. The only way you can actually walk off the stage knowing you've done your job is if you've completely let go and be as present as possible. No matter what, no matter if you look like a fool, you know, wrestling a stuffed animal, screaming at the top of your lungs, if it's coming from the most authentic place and you're letting go and you're as, then you're, you've won. And so I, I, I got exactly what he said, but that was my first experience of my pep talk right before getting on stage, literally minutes. I've got mm. something for you, come outside, I wanna to talk to you. I'm like, what? Stuffed animal about this. Man. I'll be, I'll be brief with mine. I mean, I was in two bands that did, that rehearsed for probably a, a total of three years to do two gigs. Right. I did one gig with the time, one, one. And then they broke up. And then I did one gig with the family. But the prep was, was, was college. The prep was college for me, literally. For me, I learned um, arranging, producing, uh, marketing, uh, styling, uh, choreography, which was not easy for this long, lanky kid. Trust still me. Still isn't. Video. I, that's why do you think I sit still and play the bass, Eric? Um, but really, and I, did, I, did, I didn't know that I was learning all that because I was in the moment and I was a kid. But I remember um, as soon as I got off stage, the first thing Prince did was he, he hugged me. He's like, oh, my God. I mean, I don't know what he said, but I... I, I absolutely remember that moment. And that was really cool. You know, to have the guy who's on top of the world um, in your corner like that, that was, that was amazing. That's hot. Your turn. Eric, what do you remember about the first Avenue show? Yeah, I, I, um, we had, we had a um, keyboard player. We had two keyboard players in, in, in the band. Uh, one was Jonathan Melvoin, uh, Susanna's brother. Um, and we had another guy who was playing keyboards by the name of Billy Carruthers. Billy Carruthers is an absolutely uh, very accomplished jazz pianist and, and is, you know, got quite a following in the hardcore jazz. In fact, Paul, Paul, Paul and Billy did something just recently together. We did. Um, and Billy was very young and he came into band um, because, um, because he knew Paul. And Billy was a hardcore guy. So he wasn't, you know, the, the rock and roll aspect of things was kind of like a little foreign to him. I and remember the makeup before, was too. Well, that, that was what I was gonna say. Right before we went on stage, Billy comes up to me and he's got this panicked look on his face and he's like, Eric, Eric. And I said, Billy, what's wrong? He said, that woman over there, she wants to put makeup on me. And I said, Billy, welcome to rock and roll. I spoiled it, didn't I? Oh, that's I what I remember where you were going. That's okay. That's okay. 
Uh, well, thank you for answering that question for me. I have to go. Robin and Maury, thank you for humoring me. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for helping us and out. We appreciate you. you. As a thank you, Robin and Maury, you have comp tickets for the next Purple Paisley Brunch event, March 5th. Love you, sis. Thank you so thank much. Thank you so much. Have a great evening, everyone. You too, Tanya. Be well, dear. You too. All right. So we know that our guests have to go, but Robin, I wanted to make sure you got your question in. Okay. So I, I want to just know from all of you, was there a point or a, a moment of reckoning when you realized what a classic that first album was? Because for us little people out here, I was like 14, almost 15 when I got that album. And it just, I don't, I can't even tell you, I came home from school every single day and listened to it and listened to it and listened to it. And I had put this in the mission statement, but it was kind of like my introduction to jazz, honestly, because I was a teenager. I didn't really listen to much jazz and it kind of was like a gateway for me. And like, even now when I listen to it, it still holds up and it's still so unique and so interesting and so funky and so like youthful and fun. I just want to know, was there like a moment for you where you realized like, wow, people still really love this project years later. Let, let, let me start because okay. then I'm going to drop it over to you. Um, <laughs> she's on this side for me. <laughs> is she, oh, is she over? Okay. <laughs> on this, she's this side to me. First of all, for me, to, that, that record um, was funky. It was my shot along with these guys, right? But what made that record so unique, besides the brilliant songwriting, was Claire Fisher, in my humble opinion. I think that is what made, in my opinion, I think that's what made that record so, such a standout. And um, that's her fault, whatever side of the screen she's on. And I want you to, uh, I don't know how you went about convincing him to do that i mean but you should share that story because that was that was a home run well because prince and i were uh listening to a lot of rufus back then and um all those string arrangements those rufus records were done by claire fisher and um we were in the car and um talking about talking about this record and how amazing it would be if it had strings on it. And I said, why don't we get Claire Fisher to do it? And he just sort of looked at me. Um, and as if you, if you know anything about my history, my father, um, my father had worked with Claire for years and years and years and years. And they were very good friends. My father's a jazz piano player. Anyway, I was like, my father knows Claire. Let's just give Claire a call. And I called my father and I said, look, you know, we're working on this project on this record. Do you think we could get a copy of the record to Claire? And he said, absolutely, Dolly. Called me Dolly. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, Dolly. Um, um, so sent a tape to, uh, to Claire and it, that's really how it happened. It was through, you know, how do we get in touch with Claire? And I was like, oh, my dad knows Claire. You know, so it was like, called my dad and that was it. Thank God for my pop, you know? He was like, that was the guy. God, I love your pops. We had so much fun together when we were making the 
the gaslight record in yes. your in your little cove in your in your uh, entryway there playing the piano hanging out what a great guy what a talent boy yeah i i wish i had gotten to know michael better because it's probably a good thing for you that i didn't because if i gotten to know michael better i think i would have like said you know maybe see if i can get a gig with michael bye you know what and you and he would have been so happy about that eric he would have been like come and play with me any 25 buck jazz gig my father hey, was i couldn't you know. believe it my you know and he would have just loved yeah, cool. yeah. so i do I, I lied one more question because you're yeah. talking about gaslight so my favorite song on gaslight is over the canyon oh i love over the canyon maybe because it's my love life but it's i love over the canyon so could you talk a little bit about the roots of it how did it come about the orchestration of it the arrangement of it well it's interesting that you mentioned over the canyon because we were trying to find a relationship with songwriting to the first record we were trying mm. to really knit uh, a sort of like an older brother older sister to that version of the first record and over the mm. canyon when we started writing the music to that we were thinking about uh, that kind of uh, musical sentimentality. We were trying to connect the dots. It turned into, once we got the track done, that it turned into um, me driving, where I would do this often, I drove up Laurel Canyon, which is where just right from where we lived. And at the top of Laurel Canyon, I sat for a few hours and wrote the lyrics to Over the Canyon, which at the time was my love life. Literally, uh, you know, burned to the ground and just, you know, you know. Finding yourself in the green, yep. Well, I want to say something about this too. Yes. Yes, I can program the computers. Yeah, I can play a couple of different instruments, but the brilliance of her lyrics are what made those songs. Uh, I, I mean, I, that is not me. And that's why we work well as a team. But it had a couple times just figuring out who we were with each other 25 years later. But that I think that angst or that exploration of who we were and who we uh, were at that particular time was so integral in the music. And I think you can hear that. Yeah, that's What's interesting real, as a fan yeah. listening, as a fan listening to it, Paul, honestly, it doesn't miss a beat. And it speaks to also, I think, what Prince may have seen that didn't come out necessarily in the first album, but Gaslight is dope. The harmonies, the orchestration around it, Lover. Oh, thank you, yeah. Lover's I mean, another, you know, we were really trying to, I mean, and, and Eric, of course we have to give Eric because, you know, when you're writing this way, um, and Eric wasn't in Los Angeles at the time, but it, there's such a great trust in sending a track that is the bones of a track and then saying to Eric, for instance, Gaslight at the time when I wrote Gaslight, the lyric to Gaslight, it's just, you know, if you've been gaslit before, our nation has been for four years, <laughs> mm. um, you know what that, you know, like when I send something like that to Eric and he goes, oh, it's one of my favorite old movies. And he knows exactly what I'm talking about, when you're gonna do the, the horn arrangements on this, think of that. Like you're, you gotta find the gaslight in it. You gotta find the, 
the, the, the, the, the, the whole emotional content of this particular track. And because that's how I speak and write music, yes. Eric completely understands that language. It's a, to it's, a, it's a language in itself. I don't know what that says about us, but we do. I know, I don't know what it, I, actually, <laughs> I, I didn't get it, but you two did. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a gift, you know, when you have- You're, 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 you're my Wayne Shorter. I'm your Wayne Shorter, that's yes. right. I, I, I write in colors and synesthetic expressions. Yeah. I don't, I don't write in theory. You know, I can't say take no. this at the you know, we've Look, got I, 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 I got to say to what Susan is saying, when, when we were getting, you know, thinking about getting back together, once again, I had had no, at that point, really any interaction on, certainly in this level, with either Paul or Suze. Suze, I hadn't seen much of since the family broke up. Mm -hmm. um, and I no. had really no, no idea of what kind of songwriters either one of you really were. Paul, you had had a good deal of success on your, your own stuff, but still in the context of this. And I told them, I said, um, basically I said, look, if all you guys can do is come up with, you know, a family part two, count me out because I'm not interested in just a rehash of, of what that was that we were doing 25 years ago at the time. Um, so I basically was just wait and see. Okay, we'll see what they bring because if they bring something that I'm not into, I'm just gonna tell them, hey, I'm not into this, have fun. Um, and immediately, and I, I think Over the Canyon was one of the first things I think that I got was like, wow, where did this shit come from? You know, <laughs> and, 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 and realize that, okay, here are two people that now have lives that, you know, they've had husbands, they've had wives, they have kids and everything. So they actually have stories to tell which they weren't gonna have when they were 19 years old necessarily. And that's what I knew them from. Mm -hmm. So the fact that they could bring me something that could maybe once again, kind of, cause all I can do is react to what they're doing. I'm the fly on the wall. That's basically, I'm the Greek chorus here. I'm just commenting what's already there. Yeah, so, more than a fly on the wall, more of a Greek chorus. You know how to, it's like a, an invocation. It's like, you know how to call and response. Well, you that's know. all I can do is just, if, if, if I can put something in it, even if it's just one or two notes that can add something of value, um, then that, that's, you know, that, that's the enjoyment of, of that. And they, were, and they were giving me some really cool stuff to work on. Um, and, and one of the things that my, my favorite thing about uh, Over the Canyon is I came, I came up with a horn line. I thought, you know, what, you know, instead of doubling the horn with myself, which sometimes I would do, I said, well, I would love nothing better than to have Sue's sing this line with me, you know, um, and just doing something like that. that that's something, you know, something different. That, that's, it's cool. It's also, I mean, it also makes me sound very sexy. But it is very sexy. It's like this tapestry that gets woven together. I'm, I'm thinking about beautiful you, lover, and like oh, how beautiful it, how you it dovetails is, oh, to desire. Desire. Yeah, but it, beautiful it, you. Oh, that that track is great. I mean, it is gorgeous, sexy music. Um, I remember I was on a road trip when I heard it for the first time, and I'm like, they didn't miss a beat. And it's it and being that it was outside of Prince, I think that that's what's so exciting that. There was, I'm gonna bring you together in 85, but as we, as you move, as you move forward and you do your own thing, 
there's still this magic that's there. And it's very tapestry. It's very coming together. The uh-huh. sounds, it's, it's sexy, it's, it's intimate. Um, and I really appreciate it as a listener. Um, and I, I really hope that you guys keep on creating more SF Deluxe music because it, it just, it's growing and sexy, you know, and, um, and wanted and needed in many ways. Um, I know that you have gone over and uh, from the Purple Paradigm to you as the family, F Deluxe, Susanna, St. Paul, Eric, we cannot thank you enough for being a stand for creativity, for being a stand for what's right with our world, with music and bringing us so much joy, intimacy and connection. I wish you each just continued success. And if there's anything the paradigm can do to help promote, support and lift the work that you're doing. Paul, I don't know if you got to put um, the chat, the, the the chat that right you're putting now. in the chat or you can yeah. email Robin and I will definitely promote it on social media for you. Susanna and Eric, same on your end. Is there anything that you're doing that you would like for us to promote on your behalf? We will gladly do it. Um, I- I'm just excited to see what's to come. Any final words for our audience? Stay safe. Wear your mask. Amen to that. Yeah, wear your damn mask. Wear your damn yeah, don't mask. get, don't, don't, don't let your guard down yet. We ain't there, and and we want you around. We need you because the the fact that you guys still are with us after all these years is not lost on any one of us. Mm-hmm. Trust me. We we are. Um, I'm blown away by that, and 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 it's inspiring to me, and it's inspiring that you guys still give a shit and you listen and you still love what we do and we wouldn't do it if it wasn't for you. So thank you guys. Yeah, particularly because some, of, some, of y'all, some of y'all weren't even born when we did the family album. It's true. <laughs> I was born. I was born. <laughs> I was... All right. I was born. I'm telling you, one of the best albums of my life, but I also lived to see Gaslight and Gaslight is just dope. That's Thank like you. the grown, sexy version of the family. It's true. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. I'm around the same age as Paul, so I was there. Uh-huh. My, my, my uh-huh. little Paul, my little Paulie, and my little Sue's—they grew up <laughs> right yeah, before my eyes. <laughs> yes, they did. Oh wait, and your I, love okay, is sanctified. Before, I'm just wait, saying. Wait, before I yes. let Susanna go, Susanna, I just need to tell you this one silly little story of when I was a teenager and I went to school dressed in a pink satin um, pajama set <laughs> that <laughs> I got from the mall with like thirty dollars mm-hmm. from like you know doing errands around the house, and I was so excited to finally wear this to school, and I went to school and everybody was like. Why are you so dressed up? Is it your birthday? And I'm like, no, I'm dressed like Susanna from the family. And everybody was just like, you're weird. Oh, wow. And that's that's how much that's love. I loved Great. you guys. And I just loved you, Susanna. I just still love Can you. Can I give my quick memory? My very quick memory. <laughs> they have Go ahead, Zenzi. Go ahead, give me a quick one. Okay, make it In 2012, I went to BB King's in Manhattan and you guys were opening for Shelly E. And as soon as you guys start saying, I kept looking at them like, wait a minute, I know who they are. <laughs> but you were under F Deluxe, but like instantaneously. Yeah, Maureen and I were at that show. We did a lot of screaming. We did a lot yes. of oh, we were yes, really, yes, living, yes. Our, 
youth. Well, it was a surprise. <laughs> was it a surprise that it was under F Deluxe? Because you know we're, we're yeah, because you didn't not you didn't say anything until you did like the finale was Queens of Passion, but you hadn't said anything about who you were until the very end of the show. Yeah. So no, I, I knew who you I, were. Like <laughs> we knew. We knew. As a matter of fact. So I don't know, Susanna, if you remember, and, and actually uh, Eric as well, uh, you had a manager named Neil and yep. Neil introduced okay. us. And I, when you played Paisley Park for one of the celebration shows, Neil Facebooked me. He's like, were you in the front? And I was like bopping around like a Muppet. Like this music is, is may, may it forever be continued, may it forever be like just this played. Um, because it really is something that is really truly a gift and I cannot express enough how much it means uh, to us and, and and the Purple Army. So I just wish you continued success. Thank and thank you so much for hanging out with us on thank Super you. Bowl thank Sunday. You. Thank you. Hope we didn't take you away too much from your game. We know Jerome, it was it was really imperative for him. We knew when yeah, he said he had an hour. Jerome we didn't want to miss the weekend, that's all. The group, <laughs> the weekend. Oh. Is the, week, the weekend's playing the Super Bowl? This, okay. Shows you how much I'm paying attention. If this is the World Series, I wouldn't have been here. <laughs> my wife's upstairs. She's going, hey, love y'all. See you later. And my my sis and my bro, I love you and miss you. I can't wait to play music with you again. Yes, shortly. I, we more, all more, can't more. wait as well. <laughs> love y'all. We will yep. be there. And anything we can do to support. So please do send that information forward. We want to give a shout out to Jeff James. Jeff, we Jeff. know you're on here. We love you, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah, let, let me let me just say that we're sorry Jelly Bean couldn't be with us. I think he was, um, you know, he had family obligations today of his own. I think we love Jelly Bean, and I I, I love the fact that Paul is rocking the shirt. Come yeah, on, so over. all four four of you are here. <laughs> Jelly Bean, don't be so mean. <laughs> Hi, Tom right. Bruno. I thought I saw you on here too. Love you all. I'm out. I'm out. Yeah. All right. Bye. -bye. All right. Thank Peace. So Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. Thanks, Susanna. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, St. Paul. Thank you so much. Purple Army, thank you. So Tracy, if you're ready to take us out with some more tunes, that would be pretty awesome. And guys, if like uh, our audience, our faithful audience that... Um, oh, the next show, Robin. Here. We got to talk about the next show. Oh, yeah. So, um, oh, yeah, we have to announce the next show. So basically... The next show is up to you guys, okay? We constantly have great ideas, we think, but we wanna know what you guys want from us. What do you want to see from the next Paradigm show? So I'm gonna put a link in the chat and um, you guys tell us via this Google form what you would like to see on the next show. And if it's possible to do it for you guys, we will make it happen. So the next show is going to be April 7th and it's gonna be whatever you amazing people who are faithful fans of the paradigm want the show to be, okay? So here it is, the revolution. I don't know if we can get <laughs> the revolution. Hey. Okay. Uh, Let me tell you something. I, I, I'm, I'm impressed with the, the family lineup. Yes, yes. Um, yes. Okay, we so. did, you know what, with the Wendy and Lisa piece, to be honest with you, uh, Purple Fam, we thought about, I, I personally love Eroica. That's my favorite Wendy and Lisa album. And I wanted a tribute to Eroica. 
So some ideas on the table that Robin and I have been talking about. So the Eroica ideas out there, we want to do a tribute to vanity. It's another idea that we have on the table um, and, and getting that going. But we also, you know, as much as possible, we're so sorry tonight, we didn't realize that they, they had a shorter uh, space of time to be with us. We would definitely would have given more fans an opportunity to talk to the family. Um, but, you know, it, there's, there's always more time and definitely keeping the connections alive. But it's a first it's a first go around with the family after luck. So we'll definitely keep that going. But we want to make sure that our fan, you know, the fans are coming in and, and having access to the artist as well. So, yeah, if there's any ideas that you have, Robin's going to drop the link in the chat. I've and the link several times. So I like, you know, once we're done, I'm probably not going to look at the chat anymore. So all these great ideas that are coming through, please put them in the form and we will review them in a couple of days and choose which we think we can do. <laughs> I mean, honestly, just to let you all know, with each show, we are never really sure who we can get as guests and we just try our best. And sometimes we're just like, okay, Prince must really be with us because I didn't think that we would be able to get Susanna. And I must thank my friend, Jeff. I don't know if he left already, but Jeff was like, how are you doing for getting Susanna? And I'm like, I don't know. And he was like, I know somebody. So Jeff hooked us up and she was able to ask Paul thank and you, then Jeff. I on Eric's email and it just, and then I asked Tanya about getting Jerome. So it all kind of just came together. So, you know, we'll try our best, whatever we think we can do, we will try to do whatever we think we can't do. We'll still try to do um, because the show is about you guys as it is as much about us and what we like. <laughs> so just, um, and I just want to thank everybody for being such loyal um, patrons of what we're trying to do here and like, <laughs> yeah, I'm really sorry that um, they didn't stay on longer. I didn't realize that they were going to stay on for such a short time. Um, but I guess it's been an hour and a half. So there you go. Yeah, um, it takes so, a while to get warmed up. And it's, you know, we, we, we got there. It's, it's yeah, cool. It's all good in the hood. Oh, wait. Uh, you know, yeah, yeah with, with one more if thing. anybody is interested, should I play my mission statement that I worked all day? Go for it. Why this Why this episode matters. <laughs> yes, go for it. Yes. Uh, like, I literally did work on it all day, but I felt like the pressure that they wanted to leave. So I was like, let's just get into the questions. Okay. No, so, no, nah, nah, go yeah. for it. Go for the mission statement. All right, statement. dears. Okay, let me share my screen. Hello, it's Robin Shumaze, and I'm here to present to you with the mission statement for tonight's episode entitled The Family Matters, exploring the influence and impact of the first protege group album released on Paisley Park Records. Let me start by saying that pretty much everyone who knows me knows that The Family Debut is one of my all-time favorite albums. I think the same is true for Dr. Morey. Released on August 19, 1985, most of the tracks for the family were written by Prince, with the exception of River Run Dry, written by Revolution drummer Bobby Z. The songs Yes and Susanna's Pajamas were co-written by Prince and Eric Leeds. The lineup of the band featured Susanna Melvoin, St. Paul Peterson, Eric Leeds, Jellybean Johnson, and Jerome Benton. So, how did it all start? Basically, the family emerged like a phoenix from the fallout of the breakup of the time, of which Jellybean, Jerome, and Paul were members. Recording of the album for the family took place between 1984 and early 1985. 
By the end of 1985, the band was no more. However, the family became a bit of a cult classic among diehard Prince fans. I like to say that the family's debut is one of several crown jewels that manifested during a time period that most might consider Prince's golden age. The entire experience of pretty much everything Prince was doing at this point, I'd say between 83 and 88, was magical, and he was able to weave that magic through all of the talent in his camp. Even today when I listen to this album, it takes me right back to that happy place that it put me when I first heard it more than 35 years ago. I've stated on many occasions that The Screams of Passion is one of the best songs Prince ever wrote. Now you might want to fight me on that, but I will never back down from that opinion. Another absolute classic, obviously, is Nothing Compares to You. Now I need to tell you a story about this one. I remember the day I walked into my first real job and one of my coworkers told me about this video she had seen on MTV that morning, you know, by the girl with the buzz cut. They said it was written by your man Prince. Soon enough, I learned it was Sinead O'Connor's version of Nothing Compares to You. So I made a cassette recording for that coworker and I gave it to her a few days later and said, Sinead's version sucks. I hate it. This is the real version of this song. And I know I've said this before, but I've always been really passionate about my musical opinions. But honestly, 30 years later, and I still feel the same way. In 1985, reviewer Jim McGee of the Sunday Morning Post called the family's version a masterpiece. And I agree. The jazz fusion pieces by Prince and Eric Leeds were my gateway into an appreciation for jazz. Despite being labeled as a distinctly Minneapolis throwback, those family's debut was so much more than that. This album marks a distinct turning point in expansion of Prince's sound and includes many firsts. So why is this important? In addition to being the first protege album released on Paisley Park, it was the beginning of Prince's long-standing working relationship with Claire Fisher and the utilization of Claire's string instruments. It was the first Prince-related album containing experimental funk jazz instrumentals, a precursor to Madhouse. Prince handed over the reins to David Z to complete production of the album, which marks the first time he used a producer for one of his projects. In an earlier episode of The Paradigm with Andre Simone, I noted that before the cruel reality of the re events of last summer, I had this image of Minneapolis as this racial utopia where everyone just lived harmoniously and made music all day. Part of that image came directly from the portrait Prince painted of the revolution and the family. It's always been a bit interesting to me as I've grown more enlightened about jazz at how integrated the genre was when the rest of the country was not. And I've wondered if there was some hidden message or connection as to why Prince chose this very integrated band to begin experimenting with jazz styles. But that's another topic for another show. So in 2011, the family reformed as F Deluxe and I could not have been happier. Maury and I finally got to see them live in 2012 where we screamed our living heads off. The thing is, these are solid musicians in their own right. And when they joined forces again, they created more incredible music. If you have not heard their debut or their more recent releases, Please give them a listen, as this is a band that deserves to be heard, and as soon as we are all free to gather again in person, let's all go see them perform live. I am so happy to welcome them here tonight, one of my all-time favorite bands. 
the family slash F Deluxe. Thank you. The family matters. Family matters. The family matters. Then they gone. <laughs> it's okay. They gonna see that. Don't worry about it. They showed up and I'm proud that they showed up. I'm happy they showed up. Nice job, Robin, on the mission statement. Thank you. All right, fam. So we're gonna we're gonna close out with DJ Monday. You're welcome to hang out as long as you like. Um, of course, you know, let us know what you're thinking about in terms of shows. This is about like the family was one of those purple nerdy moments. If you on here, you love the family. You just love you. We know what you was doing in '85. We know what you was doing. <laughs> so it's that kind of momentum that we want to keep. And thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for your love. Um, you know, Prince has taught us so well, and I'm excited to know that even in his passing, we still get to be together. We still get to connect around the music and share a passion because it just it certainly is. So with that, DJ Monday, whenever you're ready to take us out, you're welcome to do so. Purple fam, you're welcome to hang out for as long as you like.